Right. Thank you, Pastor White. It is a, a joy and a privilege that we count to be here with you folks, and uh, uh, just what a what an honor to be able to share with you uh, what the Lord has done in our lives, what He's leading us to do, what He's allowed us to be a part of these past few years, and uh, we're just excited to be here, and I've gotten a chance to talk with many of you beforehand. Uh, as Pastor said, my name is uh, Matt Northgut. Uh, my wife, Katie, is seated down here, my right, your left. Uh, Elliot, our son, is right beside her there. He's 10 years old. And Carolyn is here in the middle. Uh, we didn't kick her out or anything, but uh, she is uh, sitting with our host family uh, and uh, greatly appreciate the hospitality that has been shown to us in our sh short time here. Unfortunately, it is very short, um, but we have enjoyed it. Uh, it's our first time being on this side of Canada at all, and uh, it's it's been spectacular these last couple of days. Uh, the weather and everything's been nice, and so we've enjoyed that. Um, saw some puzzled faces when the presentation began, talking about Siberia and all, and Pastor introduced us as missionaries to Newfoundland. Uh, but hopefully the presentation cleared up some of that and uh, answered how the Lord has, has led us uh, to Newfoundland and what he's leading us to do. And if you have questions afterwards, please uh, come talk with us. Uh, be more than happy to uh, answer any questions or share further what the Lord has done uh, in our lives. Uh, Pastor said, say something in Russian. Um, I'm trying to think here what we would say. Usually when you come into a, a church service, the typical greeting that you would give to other Russian believers would be you," And that would just be a, a simple greeting. It's uh, not quite the complete formal uh, greeting of Zdrastvoche, which would, you would give to a stranger or someone uh, in a position of honor or respect, um, but it's in between that and then what would be the very informal local greeting of just privet, which you would give to friends, family. Uh, so yes, you have the three greetings and there's even multiple other ways that you could greet someone else as well, but as believers, when you come into a church, we'd greet each other privets for you. And uh, just, I greet you, and uh, that was a, a common bond that we would have uh, with the believers there. Um, but we did uh, learn a lot through our time there in Siberia. Uh, thankful for the Lord for the time, uh, the lessons that he taught us there. Uh, would not trade them for anything else in the world uh, because he did so much, uh, not just through us, but in us, uh, to bring us to this point and to change us into who he wanted us uh, to be. And it's still a process. We by no means have arrived, uh, but we're thankful for the work that the Lord is doing there. We do have on the back table there, as you uh, exit the doors there, we do have our, our prayer cards. I uh, would invite you to please uh, pick one up, uh, pray for us. Uh, we do greatly appreciate the prayers. And let me tell you, it is very evident when God's people pray for us, when we're on the, on the mission field and in our travels, as we've been traveling around almost a, a year now. Um, we've been out of Russia. We left uh, last May and have been traveling after our short survey trip traveling around to our supporting churches and reporting, and uh, it is very evident, and it's not something that we take for granted, uh, is the prayers of God's people, and that is a vital uh, part of our, our ministry there. Let me invite you this evening to uh, take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, and while you're turning there, we'll update on a couple of things that were mentioned in the presentation there um, that have changed couple things that need to be clarified. Uh, when we showed the map of Newfoundland and highlighted that western portion of the island where we'll be serving there, 
Uh, we said there were two gospel preaching churches on that side of the island, uh, but unfortunately, as of November of last year, that number is down to one. Uh, one of the churches, uh, just about an hour north of Stephenville, uh, the missionary pastor had to leave there uh, for various reasons, and uh, so there's no longer a permanent uh, gospel preaching presence in that community. A uh, city of over 20,000 people there in the city of Corner Brook, uh, but no permanent gospel witness there. So that's down to one on that side of the island. Then the other thing is you saw the O'Brien family mentioned, who we'll be working with, and well, the way the Lord has, has worked this out and is truly a, a blessing is that uh, the O'Brien family is actually uh, relatives, family members. Uh, Emily O'Brien is my wife Katie's sister. And so we get uh, the privilege of working with family members and uh, never would have thought that that would ever happen. But the Lord and his, his grace and his master plan has seen fit to put us together. And so we're excited to get there and uh, partner with them and see what the Lord's going to do. Get that church established and then spread the gospel throughout the region there. Hopefully by now you found Luke 5. I think I've given you enough time for that. But Gospel of Luke chapter 5. And let's begin reading here in verse 1. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draft. Now word draft there is an old English word, uh, refers to the idea of a pulling in or a gathering. And here in this context, in the fishing context here, it has the idea of a great catch, a pulling in of many fish. And so verse 5 says, And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all, and followed him. If I was to ask you this evening, what is the one essential element that all of us must have in order to please our Lord. What would that be? The one essential element that the Bible says without which we cannot please Him. What is that? I'm hearing murmurings there. Faith. Exactly. Well, without faith, the book of Hebrews tells us, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, it is impossible for missionaries to go to the mission field. Without faith, it is impossible for churches to send the missionaries to the mission field. Without faith, it is impossible to share the gospel with someone who needs to hear it. As we look at this passage here in Luke chapter 5, we're going to see faith is such a crucial element in our life as believers. 
it is, again, the one element that we must have in order to please our Lord and Savior. But in this passage here, we're going to see, we have an account for us here of Simon Peter and his interaction here with our, our Lord Jesus Christ when he was here on this earth. And I want you to notice as we look at this, the Lord takes Peter and he realizes that Peter doesn't have the faith that he needs in order to fulfill the task that the Lord has prepared for him. That task, as we see, was mentioned here at verse 10 when Jesus said to Simon, From henceforth thou shalt catch men. The task that he had prepared for him was to be one, a messenger of the gospel, to take the gospel and preach and be a messenger for him. But Peter wasn't ready for that yet. His faith was not strong enough yet to perform such a task. And so the Lord takes Peter where he was with the faith that he had currently. And he began to grow it step by step by step until now he was prepared for what the Lord had for him. And as we look at this, I've entitled the message, The Progression of Faith. The Progression of Faith. And as we look at this this evening, what you and I must ask ourselves is this. Where am I right now in my own progression of faith? In my own walk with the Lord, where am I currently right now this evening? And what is that next step of faith that God wants me to take for him? And having discerned that, then the question is a simple one. Will I obey in faith and trust him? Or will I continue on my own way and choose to disobey? As we look at this, let's begin looking here. We get the context of the story laid out for us in verse 1. It says, it came to pass that Jesus... Uh, was by the Sea of Galilee, or the Lake of Gennesaret, as we have recorded for us here in Luke 5. Jesus is standing by the lake here, and he's preaching, teaching to the crowd. It says a multitude, the people pressed upon him. So Jesus is standing by the lake, teaching the crowd, and they're pressing on him. And it says Jesus spied two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were out of them, washing their nets. Verse 3 tells us, he picks one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he enters into it and prays Simon that he would thrust out a little from the land. And Jesus sits down and teaches the people from the boat, the people being on the land. Now I want you to notice, even from the very beginning here, that the Lord begins right away to work with Peter and to grow his faith. And as the Lord did so with Peter, he does so with us in our lives. As the Lord begins to work on our faith and to grow us, he begins, number one, by giving us a simple request. He begins by giving us a simple request. Notice again in verse 3, it says, he, when he entered into the ship, it was, it was Simon's, it says that he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. That word prayed is a request word. It is not a command. It is not an imperative that he imposed upon Peter. He did not demand Peter to do this. Rather, he requested Peter to perform this action for him. In other words, Jesus is asking Peter here, Peter, will you let me use the boat? Will you let me use it in the way that I desire and when I desire to use it? Folks, may I tell you, when God begins to grow our faith, as he takes us through, through trials, through testings, through different steps in our walk with him, he begins to grow our faith in the very same way by asking us the very same question. Will you simply give me what you already have. Will you give me what you have and let me use it 
in the way that I desire to use it. God begins to work here with Peter in the very same way, giving him just a simple request. Now notice a few things about this request, if you would. It was simple, but it was a little bit inconvenient for Peter at the time. Verse 2 tells us the fishermen were out of the boats, but they were washing their nets. Now, we've had the privilege of reading the rest of the story. We know what took place, that they had already spent all night out on the sea fishing. And so they were out of their boats, washing their nets, packing it up. They were performing the end of the day activities. They had already put in their hard labor, and they were ready to close up for the day. Close up shop and go home for a rest. That was what was going on currently with Peter. But yet the Lord asked him, Lord, Peter, will you stop that? And just let me use the boat now. Perhaps a bit inconvenient. But notice it was not impossible for him to fulfill. The request was not impossible for Peter to fulfill. Notice what Jesus did not ask him for. He did not ask him for something that he did not have. In other words, Peter, or Jesus did not ask Peter to go get him a horse and chariot to drive him down through the streets to preach from. Why not? Because Peter did not have that. And he had no ability to perform such a request, to grant such a request to his Lord. But what he did have, that the Lord asked him for. That he could provide for our Lord. And he gave him that simple request, Peter, will you let me use what you already have? A simple request, but one that many times, I'm afraid to say that we falter it when God asks us for something. Do we not? God may reach down through the preaching of his word, through our personal time and devotions with him, and put his finger on something in our life and say, that's what I want. Will you let me use it? the way that I desire. And many times our first response, unfortunately, is, Lord, why that? No, Lord, if, if you take that, then what does that mean for me? And we balk at that and we falter at that. But what is Jesus, what is the Lord trying to teach us when he asks us for something in our life, when he asks us to surrender something that we have? Was he asking Peter for his boat because... He could not provide a boat any, by any other means? No. When God asks us for something, whether it be our giving to missions, whether it be our time to serve Him, whether it be our life to serve Him, is He asking that because we are so essential? What we have is so essential to Him that He cannot do without it? Absolutely not. He is the God of all creation, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God does not need our stuff but what he wants is you and me. See, when God asks us for something, he does so because he's trying to show us whether or not he has all of us. One author put it this way, says, a person who has given self has nothing more to give and nothing more to withhold. When God asks us to surrender something to him, Maybe it's a material possession. Maybe it's our life for service. Whatever it may be, God asks us that to point out, to examine in our lives, to show us, have I fully surrendered my everything, my all to Him? 
in every area. And God begins to grow us in this first step with a simple request. We can look throughout the word of God and we see that whenever people willingly surrendered something to God, it was because they had already first surrendered themselves. We look at 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's a passage that we go to many times to look at the model for faith promise giving to missions. And it speaks of the giving of the Macedonian churches who, who gave above and beyond what they were able. They gave out of the abundance of their poverty, the Bible says. Why were they able to do that? Verse 5 of that chapter makes it very clear that they first gave themselves to the Lord. And then when it came time to give what they had, that was the natural outcome. Because they had first surrendered themselves. And Genesis 22 is probably one of my favorite accounts in the Old Testament. The story of Abraham and Isaac. How the Lord comes to Abraham and tells him, Abraham, I want you to go and offer your son, your only son Isaac, as a sacrifice to me on the mountain where I will tell you of. As we know from reading the, the Old Testament, we find that Isaac was the son of Abraham's old age. He was the promised son that the Lord had promised would be born to him and Sarah. And of Abraham would become a great nation through his son Isaac. And yet here it seemed the Lord was giving him a command that didn't make sense. But yet one that Abraham willingly obeyed. Because if you notice in the very first verse of that chapter, when the Lord comes to Abraham, he calls unto him and says, Abraham, Abraham's response is, Here am I. He had already given himself to the Lord. Therefore, whatever the Lord asked him for, he could gladly give. Because he had already given himself. A person who has given self has nothing more to give and nothing more to withhold. When God begins to grow our faith, as he does here with Simon Peter, he does so beginning to give us this simple request. A simple request, something that we can provide. But he does so to begin to grow our faith. Now notice with me as we continue in this passage. We find that after we have surrendered in the simple request. The end of verse 3 tells us that Jesus sat down and taught the people out of the ship. What we infer from that is that Peter obliged. He fulfilled that request. The Lord taught from the ship. And so he surrendered in that simple request. But Jesus didn't stop there. He continued further in his interaction with Peter. Verse 4 tells us, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft, for a great catch. Notice with me, when the Lord begins to grow our faith, he does so beginning with a simple request. But after we have surrendered in that, the next he gives us, number two, the puzzling command. A puzzling command. We know this command was puzzling to Simon because of his response recorded for us in verse 5. It says, And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Now, was Peter a fisherman by trade? Yes, he was. Did he know where to fish? Undoubtedly so. Did he know how to fish? Did he know when to fish? Yes, all of this he would have to know because this was his profession. This was his livelihood. Of all people, 
He knew the winds, the wares, the hows, all the details about fishing. But yet when Jesus gives him this command, now notice, this is a command now. It's no longer a request. He gives him a direct command, launch out into the deep. When Jesus gives him this command, it's puzzling to Peter for several reasons. Number one, because this was not the usual time to go fishing in this way. Again, Peter's response was they were out all night, the normal time when they would be fishing. There was a certain time, a certain way, a certain manner to perform this task. And what Jesus seemed to be commanding him to do did not fit any of those parameters. And so it was puzzling because of the time, but puzzling because this command was now challenging all of Peter's experience, all of his know-how, everything that he thought he knew about fishing was now being challenged by this simple command that Jesus gave him. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft, for a great catch. See, what was the Lord Jesus trying to teach Peter in this instance? He was trying to teach him the very same truth that he longs for you and me to learn that we find in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Where the Bible says, For us trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Let me ask you this. What does it mean to lean on something? Right? I'm leaning on the pulpit here. The Bible tells us when we are given, as with this instance here with Peter, when we are given a command from our Lord that doesn't seem to quite make sense to us, we are told to lean not unto our own understanding. I'm being supported by this pulpit right here, by this fixture. If this was removed, I would make quite a spectacle of myself falling down these steps right here. Do not be supported by your own reasoning, by what you can figure out, by what you think is right when you're faced with a decision. But rather, in all thy ways acknowledge Him and let the Lord direct your paths. See, there will come a time in your life, if it has not already, when you will come to what seems like an impossible crossroads. Where the decision placed before you, the command given to you by our Lord, just doesn't seem to make sense from all human perspective. Here in this case, when the Lord speaks to Peter here and gives him the command, by all accounts, it could be considered an illogical command, humanly speaking. We must be careful that we do not rely on our own reasoning, our own wisdom, our own abilities to discern what is right because we are such finite beings in every way. God longs for us to learn to trust Him in every situation that He brings into our life. And He will often bring us to this place where He gives us a command that we cannot see through, we cannot understand from our perspective but he wants us to learn. Will you trust in him? Or will we lean unto our own understanding? What we think is right. What we think should be done. 
when God's commands challenge my experience, my know-how, my reasoning as they did here with Peter, God is trying to get me to realize just who it is I am depending on. It's so easy to slip back into the mode of self-dependence, self-reliance. And many times the Lord brings us to this place to show us, to wake us up. Okay, are you depending on you? Are you going to lean into your own understanding? Or are you going to acknowledge me and trust me? We've seen in this passage, the Lord begins by giving us a simple request when he begins to grow our faith. He then moves and gives us the, the puzzling command, something unexpected, something that we can't figure out. But notice with me here, we'll switch gears and look at the proper response as we find here. As Peter responds in verse 5, he answers and says, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Something I believe here, he just, making a, he just made a statement of fact, Lord, here's what we've done. But notice his response at the end of the verse. He says, Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. The proper response that we see when God grows our faith, as he begins to test us, to try us, to grow our faith through these different stages, the proper response is always one of humble obedience. Peter here shows us, he says, Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Verse 6, And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, verse 7 says, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. Peter had a choice to make. Would he lean into his own understanding? Or would he obey in faith and trust the Lord? We see his choice was one of humble obedience. That although there are times when God's command may not make sense to us, understand that the Bible never shows us that a prerequisite to obeying him is understanding him. Understanding does not always precede our obedience. Sometimes our, God may not choose to reveal to us why he took us down a certain path, why he wanted us to do something, we may not understand the fullness of God's plan until we get to glory and, and see him face to face. But the proper response is always one of humble obedience when the Lord works in our life. Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 tells us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so are my thoughts greater than yours, the Lord says. We cannot figure it all out but God desires my obedience to Him, my trust in Him. He desires that more than anything else. 1 Samuel 15, verse 22 tells us, Samuel said, speaking to Saul here, Hath the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. God desires my obedience. And it's in this we see what I believe is the true definition of biblical faith. True biblical faith is, not, is never just a blind leap in the dark saying, well, I hope this is okay. Or this is what I think should happen. I'm trusting in this. No, true faith always has a foundation. And as Peter shows us here at the end of verse 5, he says, at thy 
word, I will let down the net. The foundation for Peter's faith and the foundation for our faith is nothing else than the word of God. The very word that you and I hold written and preserved for us today. This is the foundation of our faith. Faith is nothing more than taking God at his word and trusting him enough to obey what he says. See, the book of James makes it very clear that faith without works is dead. Meaning that there will always be a, a, an action when we have faith. Our faith will always produce an obedience to God's word. When we by faith choose to obey God's word and what he tells us to do, God will always bless our obedience to his word. Verse 6 and 7 shows us that God did not just fill the net. He filled two ships to the sinking point when Peter obeyed his word. God blesses our obedience to him. But notice with me another part of this response was first humble obedience on Peter's part. But then notice verse 8. It says, when Simon Peter saw it, when he saw what? The great catch. The miracle of the fishes being filled, two boats filled to the sinking point. When Simon Peter saw it, it says, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. Peter's response was first one of humble obedience. But that humble obedience gave way to a realization and a broken reverence on, on his Savior. When I read this initially, I had to mull it over for a little while and, and ask myself, why would Peter respond in such a way? Did not Jesus promise that this would be the outcome? Did not Jesus tell him, launch out, you will have a great catch. And yet when Peter sees it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. A broken and contrite man, why? Because I believe for the first time, Peter truly realized and understood just who he was and who the God of heaven is. And he realized that without Jesus Christ, he could do nothing. Friends, we will never be equipped or ready to do what God has for us until we also reach that point in our lives. Where we realize and understand that it's not about me anymore. In my flesh and in myself, I am nothing and can do nothing apart from Him. He alone is everything. And without Him, I am nothing. Paul writes it for us this way in Galatians 2 verse 20. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul realized and recorded for us that it's not my life to live. 
but it's his life through me. The Lord brought Peter to this point through a miracle that he performed. God may bring an event into our lives, maybe a tragedy, maybe a trial, maybe a great blessing as in this case, to bring us to this point, to get us to realize that without him, I am nothing. A complete dependence on Almighty God. But notice with me lastly, as we continue in the passage here, the end of verse 10, notice with me the desired result. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. This was the result that Jesus wanted from Peter's life. The result that he began working him towards. Growing his faith step by step. And now, through the simple request, through the unexpected command, Peter's proper response in realizing his complete and full dependence on Jesus, now he was at the place where he willingly forsook all and followed him. Notice that Jesus did not have to command Peter to follow him. This was the natural outcome of what he had taken him through. This process, this progression of faith, when I am emptied of self, then I am ready to fulfill the task that God has prepared for. So the question then tonight is this. Where are you in your own progression of faith? What is the task that God has prepared for you What is that step that he wants you to take? Right here, right now, tonight. And will you take that step? Maybe you find yourself and it's that simple request where the Lord's asking you to surrender something to him. Let him use it in the way that he desires. Will you surrender that to him tonight? Perhaps you're at that crossroads with that puzzling command where what it seems like the Lord is commanding you to do just doesn't quite seem to make sense. Will you trust Him in faith and obey His word? Or will you choose to lean into your own understanding and do it your way? Whatever it is, wherever you are tonight, you must Take the step of faith that God wants you to take in your life, right here, right now, tonight.